You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of the Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts. Jason Wheeler. I'm the other host, Roger Gaddis. And today it's we're solo duo again. Like uh, Will Smith used to say, just the two of us. And anyways, that's what we we are. No, no guests for you guys, unfortunately. So if that's what you're wanting, you can stop right now. <laughs> the, it'll just be us sharing our uh, limited wisdom with you about grain things. Uh, but Today, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about spreads and what's going on uh, generally, but but also, you know, some of the basics of spreads, too. I, I know lately we've kind of been going off into, into I, I would never call anything Left we field? do, I would never call anything we do advanced, <laughs> so don't get me wrong, but how spreads are affecting uh, the grain world uh, this this year and uh, and how, how it's changing. It's changing. We're going to go back to carries forever, Roger. That's what I heard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. This is great. The latest report said we got tons of grains and less of demands. I don't know. So those two added together make negative numbers. Yeah. Which means negative basis. As you go through carries, it gets lower. It's great. This is the time that people love to be in the grain business because you can be lazy and still make money, right? Yeah. Does it now? Does this mean because people in the grain business are making money that now that means farmers are not because the grain people are making all the money? Possibly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's dig into that. I'd like okay. to see more of that. Uh, uh, where should we start? This this podcast is called the Elevators Cut, which is kind of tongue in cheek, kind of. Hopefully, Partially. a lot uh, tongue in cheek, but it is because you know a lot of. Folks outside, uh, I like to pronounce the L in folks, by the way, it's fun. Um, a lot of folks outside of the business, the grain business, uh, the, the commercial side, the basis traders, assume that elevators are taking money, merchandisers take money out that should be should belong to someone else. Is that true? Sometimes. Okay, tell me. Tell me more. Well... Let's go on to something else first. <laughs> wow. Okay. My goodness. Hey, I, I do have a serious question, though. Do you, in your mind, make a distinction between a merchandiser and a basis trader? What, well, I mean, if we're talking about grain merchandiser. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the realm of the grain business. I I don't. I think it's, it's one and the same. I, I know there are people who are merchandisers that couldn't basis that call themselves merchandisers that don't basis trade. You don't hear people self-describing as basis traders very often is, is what I'm, I guess. I'm, and you know, it's just, it's a terminology thing and you hear this or read it in the ag media a lot. They'll, you know, use as synonyms wrongly co-ops and elevators, you know, the co-ops don't make money this year. What about the private elevator? You know, right. it's just certain parts of it seems to be a regional thing, but certain parts of the country, those two are synonymous when that's, you know, obviously yeah, that's true. I have not a case. And I think 
you don't see basis traders listed as much out there, but basis trader merchandisers seem to be synonymous. I don't know that they are. I mean, you could potato patata, I guess, but um, certainly originator merchandiser are two different things, which those two also get. They do get blended. Yeah. Get blended together. Yeah. Like a good grain recipe. Yeah. Mer merchandiser is, is a bit of a blanket term in, right, in the industry, right. depending on what company you're talking about. Yeah. Like oh, a junior merchandiser one and all this stuff. If you have your corporate levels and I've made merchandiser three JM one share on my LinkedIn, please. <laughs> that sort of thing. Thought hey, leaders. congrats. You made level three out of how many? I don't know, but we're working on it. <laughs> level three. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's Scientology. I don't know. It's Enneagrams, okay. I think. <laughs> okay. Are you a level one wing eight? <laughs> uh, fly right out of here. Anyway. <laughs> uh, spreads. Uh, elevators cut. Yeah, no, it can come from anywhere. The cut can, can come in many forms. It can come from discounts. It can come from blending. It can come from fees. But mostly we like it for it for it to come from basis trading. Yeah. And as long as farmers aren't doing HTAs, there's never any headbutting between the two. Yeah. What's wrong with HTAs? Oh, nothing. They're fantastic, especially for new crop, because what tends to happen is producers will set HTAs for harvest delivery. Uh -huh. They have to have the basis set by the first load that gets delivered, typically. Uh, if they don't, it's set at whatever it is. So for new crop, my experience was, you know, you charge to do this thing, whatever, say it's 10 cents. And and the producer, his opinion, whether it's stated explicitly or not, is that basis will increase for that delivery period by more than the cost of doing the contract. Uh, a lot of times it doesn't. Well, a lot of times they forget about it or just don't manage it or don't have a target in mind and get to harvest deliver. So as a buyer, you get harvest basis plus your fee. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. Um, but the idea of the headbutting thing comes in that now you and the farmer are, you know, at odds over the basis. You want a cheap basis. He wants a higher basis, which is partially true. I mean, it's, there's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. I've never been involved in a thing where that came to like heads, like fighting over the basis with a guy on HDA. I, yeah. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'd never experienced it in 12 years of offering HDAs and maybe them, but. So HDA meaning hedge to arrive, and that's where you just set the futures price, but not futures the only. Yeah, yeah. Some people call them futures fixed or futures only, and and uh, and yeah. So so the elevator executes the hedge on on the as if he's buying the bushels, as he is, you know, making yeah, yeah. an agreement to buy those bushels, and we're gonna your cash price is whatever the futures is, and then we put our basis with it to get to your cash price. So we're gonna go ahead and lock down the futures, which get. Which I will say, I mean, that is the majority of your the risk. Price. Yeah, of, yeah. Of, biggest of, part of, of your risk of things changing. Basis, does basis change? Sure. Um, not a ton. Like if we're talking about, you know, just your harvest basis, I, it could change some, but it's going to be way more volatility in the price than the basis. Right. You're right. right. So take corn, for example, you know, it, it'll move in a day, it can move in a day. Basis will move all year. You know, it's just right, especially in a carry market, you're yeah. not going to see it. Uh, as be as volatile as you have in, in inverted markets that we're coming out of. Right. So, so as a tool now, so Roger and I said, well, then it sounds like they're removing a lot of their risk. That's true, but they're not removing all of it right. and know what cash price you have. There are 
you know, weird scenarios where the price could go way up from there and you wish you hadn't set your HTA. And if that also happens, then probably basis is going way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting an even worse scenario. Soft weed in 07. Right. 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 The Guys are setting HTAs at around four five dollars and then it goes to eight and basis goes from like you know 50 under to three dollars under yeah that's that a whole a, deal was, yeah the congress got involved mm -hmm. true yeah so it's it can be a quite a it can remove most of the risk uh of your price but not all of it right. and so it's it's probably better to go ahead and lock in the base unless it's just wildly out of whack. And then at that point, as a farmer, are you a great basis trader and really know basis values that well? Probably not. Like I've heard older merchandiser guys say, you know what, if they want to do HTA, great. It's like you said, I get my basis plus 10 cents or or whatever, which is fine. But I said, you know, I'll then it's me versus him on the basis, right? Which isn't great, but that's what I do. That's he farms. He knows how to farm and he's good at that. And I'm not, but I basis trade and he's not good at that. If we're going to have a, if we're going to be at odds over basis trade, I'm going to win most right. of the time. And so that's, you know, it's, it's a rough way to say it. Well, but it's, the edges, true. But. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. It's, yeah. <clears throat> but you know, anyway, you don't have to do them. No one's forcing guys to do them, you know, but right. Here, here we are. Um, I think, you know, talking on that, one of the things people like about them is the ability to roll them. And this is a philosophical thing on grain policies, but if it's for harvest delivery and I'm doing an HTA with a guy, it's coming in at harvest. <laughs> it's not being rolled anywhere. Yeah. Whether he's got his own bins or not, if he wants to have some for his bins that he can roll, fine, we'll do some more HTA. But if I write up the initial contract as delivered harvest, the elevator to the end user, wherever, that's when it's going. Because uh that's when what's going. The base is getting set. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and the grain is getting delivered because I've made sales or done other logistics accounting for those bushels in that amount. I don't want to change that if I don't have to ahead of time. If I've got a fixed thing in, whether it's logistics and margin or what have you, uh, that's coming to fruition. Now, if it's a, if it's for Post-harvest and the guy wants to roll and keep in his bin, fine, go for it. Or specifically up front versus Deese wants to put it in your bin and roll, fine. Mm -hmm. But if it's coming to, the, to me at harvest, that's when it's coming to me at harvest. Yeah, People are different. This I know a lot of river terminals will let guys roll. And, you know, I get it. They're loading barges and maybe it makes sense for them to lay it off because they don't have the barge in or they don't want to sell low values or whatever it is. But for most country elevators, that's not the case. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't, but look at what you're giving up if you're allowing that, especially if you intended that bushel to go into your space and that bushel of bin space, what value it had coming out of harvest. Right. And most likely you're not charging enough to do it anyway. If you're going to give up that, you know, post-harvest pop period for stuff that was going to come in house. Right. The, the most valuable that grain elevator space is all year is at harvest. Right. And it's peak demand because it's peak demand. So everybody needs space. They need to deliver it somewhere. And so that's why basis is lower. So elevator, the, the market rewards that space via a low, low base. Typically harvest is your lowest base of the right. year, especially if it's, you know, a good crop and everything. So basis will get low at harvest. And yeah, if you don't, 
capitalize by buying that basis, it's hard to make up for. If everybody says, well, just charge whatever you need. Okay. Well, if I do that, you're not going to like it, you no. know? Okay. Well, 45 cent dump fee day one. Well, that, that's not going to go over well, but that's what maybe <laughs> what I need to charge as maybe what I need to charge to get, to get that. Right. You know, you know it, I think that's something that goes, say uncommunicated or poorly communicated between the, the elevator and the farmer is the, the, let's say the math behind the, the, the numbers, but the reason behind the numbers, you know, there's a dump fee. Well, I just taking 40 cents out of my pocket. Well, there's a reason it's 40 cents and not 35 or 45. You know, what's the reason? Well, here, here's, here's the math behind it. Here's why this dump fee exists at this point in time and not at another point in time, you know? So it's, we could always do a better job communicating this stuff on our side. Yeah. The, the truth is what happens is maybe it's not the fault of the merchandiser. Maybe they try to say it ahead of time, but you get to harvest and the farmer hadn't really paid attention maybe, or you legitimately haven't really told them anything and you're right. flying by the seat of your pants, which is most of the time. Yes. And you're like, crap, I can't take any more stuff. I don't have any room. And if you're not going to price it, I got to ship it out. And the basis is as low as it's going to be all year. So, it, for instance, a lot of people think like the the dump fee is a way to uh, just go ahead and make your margin right up front. It can be, um, but if if you're legitimately to the point where everything that come in has has to go out, and you don't have any ownership left, you're just shipping things out. So maybe it's going on the price later contracts. You have title, so you can legally ship it out. It's not storage, so it's going on price later just so you can ship it immediately at the lowest basis of the year. What you know is I'm going to ship it at this basis, which I, which I know is, is low. And in 30 days, the basis is going to be 30 cents higher. Maybe, maybe a spread's going to be involved. And I know I can look at the deferred bid right now and know it's 30 cents mm -hmm. higher out there basis wise. I'm a, if I take this from you and sell it today, which I have to because I'm out of space and I'm trying to move discount. logistically. I have to sell it today. And I know base is going to be 30 cents higher in 30 days. And you could come in and price it. I would lose 30 cents as a, as merch. People don't think it, well, they just make money on everything. And they, no, they would, <laughs> if they did that, they would lose 30 cents. And sometimes a merchandiser doesn't even understand that, that well, right. or, and, and most of the time the farmer doesn't either. And they just, oh, what's the drop? Well, I got to charge something, you know, let's, you know, the co-op down the road, who's not full maybe, or has plenty of space is starting a ground pile and they're charging a 15 cents till the first of the year. Well, I guess I'll just do that. I'll do all 15 to the first year. That's what they're doing. And, and then, you know, four cents a month after that, whatever it is, six cents a month after that. Um, Cause that's their deal. All right, fine. I sell the worst base of the year basis pops 35 cents in the next 30 days. Now I, I've lost 20 cents on those bushels. I'm hoping I can make it back over time with spreads or more basis or something, but probably you won't, honestly. Yeah. And the elevator is going to probably lose on those bushels if they're not charging it right away. And so then you're like, all right, well, crap, you made 30 cents. Day you only you didn't even you're moving it out and you made 30 cents of it. Actually, I broke if the basis yeah, goes up 30 cents, I broke yeah. even on those bushels. Yeah. So it's a, Crazy. a lack of forethought by the merchandiser on green policies at a harvest almost always in a negative sense results in a lack of 
margin or able ability to make margin almost always mm-hmm. oh we should have done this well not that you can see the future but it doesn't take a lot of of, of uh, aspects to look at to make decision wise decisions on your green policies value of space you know how much should you allow to be used in storage or dp or what have you and uh, different states have different rules. I mean, sometimes ownership or, or the, your board has a lot to say on what you can and can't do. But, you know, if you present things in a way that's that's good for the business and, and gives a producer some of what they want, you know, I think that's what you're striving for in, on anything. Um, but it doesn't happen all that time. And a lot of times it, it's, a, it's something that happens at harvest when change is necessary necessary to to be made in order to keep operating as opposed yeah. to putting some forethought into it and trying to mitigate it ahead of time yeah it's this like spot market trading spot market policy making is usually not great yeah it's funny and what what could lead to that is years like this year right it's it didn't rain all year there's no crop out there roger there's nothing there should we adjust our grandpa's well we may as well not because we're not going to even freaking get anything it's going to be unbelievable. So, well, you know, why just make everybody mad with these policies? I'm not even going to have to mess with because there's no, there's no grain out there and nothing out there. You walk a few rows and you'll see this is pineapples. Yeah. That's what I hear. So anyways, the, so, so years like that, we have summers like this and it's, it's true. And I, and I hope this is not the case uh, that it's a, you know, very devastating, but there's, undoubtedly going to be areas of the country there is every year even in good years where there's some real devastation it's it's bad you know honestly and i know there's been hailstorms and windstorms this year that have been not that have been real bad so i i don't want to discount but i I will say overall what what leads to the thing of like i don't have to mess with my grain policies is that so you think it's not not a big crop and i heard somebody's out counting and we got you know 15 around and 32 (laughs) long you know there's all these uh, and I'm like, yeah, metric system, right? Yeah, something. I don't know. So anyways, so your count, uh, count say we're only going to have a, you know, this much of a yield in this County and you know, yada, yada. And then you get to harvest. It's like, holy crap. I guess it was, it was bigger than we thought. Now all of a sudden you haven't planned well enough to get bushels off of you. You're full quick. <clears throat> right. And, and, and this is, this is a prime, like you said, this is a prime year for that to happen because just looking at the price, corn price action is what it been it's been up and down but mostly down and it looks like we're going to have a crop in a lot of places now and a lot of farmers haven't booked much forward contract for any period harvest or, or after there's been a, some but definitely not as much as last three years at this time of year so you're going to have a pressure from the farmer side of not wanting to price things at harvest if we if even if we stay flat from here to harvest there's going to be a huge demand for storage or price later of bin space well the market's at a carry basis is low that tells the merchandiser my most valuable like you said is harvest ownership yeah and why is it harvest because it's the earliest you can get it it's not that there's anything special about harvest it's just that's the earliest you can fill your space that's why that's the most valuable that's it it's simple yeah. It's, it's the lowest because this is the earliest you can do it. Yeah, there's the most supply. The entire supply yeah. of the entire year. No matter how much right it now, is. It's got to go somewhere. And, and yeah, 
and you got to protect that as a merchandiser. And I know a lot of folks have done a pretty good job of trying to, you know, on the origination side, talking with their farmers and getting targets in and getting cost covered and things like that and plans in place. But, you know, that's not the, the rule. That's the exception probably out there, generally speaking, in the grain business across the U.S. Um, so th there's going to be a lot of that this year. Guys better be making decisions now how much of their space they're going to allocate to non-priced bushels. So let me ask it. So the that's a good uh, good segue into the last three years we've had, especially in corn, but also in beans, you get end of the year. So what we mean to carry is the next futures month is a little bit higher than the than the nearby futures. So we got maybe get a little carry at the beginning, but then after that they're flat or inverted, which is the other way, the nearby futures are a lot higher than the next futures, right? So, and that's kind of been our market structure for the last few years. Yeah. So, I mean, there are people that have been in the business a few years Never and, traded a and know market. nothing different yeah. than that. And um, so now it looks like there's a little bit more carry next year. But again, this is all off USDA projections of supply and demand. And Which last I heard, they're getting sued. So, <laughs> so you yeah. know, take it for what it's worth. There's a GMD class action suit going <laughs> soon. Dewey Cheatham is out. <laughs> yeah. Lawyers so, for hire. Yeah. Like most class action lawsuits, it's a way for a small group of lawyers to make a bunch of money. Absolutely. Uh, and, and everybody no feels self-righteous. <laughs> so. Um, Show them. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> they'll they'll take Maybe it. Maybe if they claim the reports contained asbestos, they'd have better luck. I think I think USDA should settle right now for a lot and just take it out of the FSA checks. <laughs> I I kid. All right. So anyway, so right. So now we're looking at a, a a coming market structure that looks looks a little a little higher. So how is that gonna change things if, if folks have even even if you're not new to the business in the last few years, it's been a while since we've had carry. I don't know if we're going to have carry this year, but right now it looks like there's yeah. a little. And at least there's the carry from December into the following September. Which we have not seen. Which is crazy. Years. Um, it sounds crazy, but it used to just be the normal. normal. Yeah, yeah, it is normal. So, um, so I'm going to ask you... We don't have a guest, but I'm going to act like you're my guest. I'm just going to interview you. Put my guest hat on. All right. So we have we have some carries now. How is that going to look different for everybody um, this year? If we keep that going, well, it's going to be a couple of things. One, it might help logistics issues <laughs> somewhat because there won't be as much pressure to get grain moved earlier than the season. Um, before uh, an inversion, yeah. if we keep some sort of carry on throughout, that'll help. Um, two, basis will be lower harvest. Now, those places of the country that are empty now, empty space is not going to allow basis to get low, so basis could still be high. But in a lot of places, um, basis has been low for a while for summer deliveries, and it's going to continue yeah. to be so for harvest. And then you'll see the pop. It'll appreciate after harvest. That's the market mechanism to incentivize Whoever, farmers, elevators, whoever got bin space to carry grain uh, and whoever owns a space gets the return to the grain. And, and the other thing is going to be 
uh, you know, the, the impact is going to be on cash flow because there's going to be a lot, potentially a, a wider horizon, time horizon between when the grain's bought and paid for and when it gets sold and received payment on. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things, uh, minus the transportation thing, maybe, but the, the, the part of the spread between payments, uh, which is your interest cost, and the fact basis is lower at harvest really puts the onus on, on the merchandise at the basis trader this year not to overpay for these bushels at harvest. But the onus is also on them to own those bushels at harvest because w- with mediocre spreads and basis being lower and maybe it doesn't appreciate as much if we have a big crop, those are both those constrained margins, both of those things yeah. right there. They, they yeah. take away your ability to make margins. So if you shoot yourself in the foot by paying up too much for this stuff. It's like our friend Tracy Hinkle always says, you know, you can't merchandise your way out of overpaying for grain. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the truth is, I mean, it depends on where you are in the country, you know, some spots, you know, heart of the corn belt. I mean, they're trying to, we're talking like gross margin after maybe, well, net, net after freight, but not after all your costs, but, but a, a net margin of say like, um, you know, 25, 30 cents would be good in some areas, but then you get down to the South and, you know, they, they can make quite a bit more because there's a lot of volatility. They run out of corn real fast in the year, no matter right. how big a carrier inverse right. is, they only they grow cost so, so much. much to get it in from other parts yeah. of the country. So basis is potentially right. higher. So that, so anyway, so some, uh, parts of that. So like you said, if I overpay by 15 cents in, you know, Eastern Iowa, where I only hope in a good year to get 25 cents. I mean, yeah, you can really, really hurt yourself. Right. And and it's not just overpaying on a basis ownership of harvest that can negatively impact you. Not charging enough for your space uh, is essentially giving it away. You know, if uh, look at soft wheat right now, it was paying, I don't know, 15, 16 cents from July to Sept this year. And that's what? How many months is that? Two months? Two months. Two months of carry cost you, say, four four cents a month. So that's eight cents. It was paying you almost double. Um, if you only charge two cents a month storage, you gave up the, the spread of the futures, let alone any basis appreciation. Yeah. So, you know, not charging appropriately uh, is the other thing. And then just having poor policies as far as what you allocate your space to. You, you can have all these things working in your favor, but if you don't allocate your space correctly or let it all tie up with stored grain, unowned grain, you're not going to make those margins at all, regardless of what you pay for it in the end. You may pay a little less for it in the end, but if you've missed a basis pop of 30 cents and you you pay 10 cents less than you have to, you still are upside down 20 cents. You know, it's the the paying thing, the, the basis you pay is a big part of it, but what you charge for for fees and how you utilize your space are just as important yeah and that and that's different than what we've what we've been in where a, a little bit a, a lot of those are are good good um you know good advice right. in no matter yeah, right no matter the year don't owe pay for grain anymore. yeah 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 but in these last few years with inverses so you get some stronger basis uh that you can sell early and maybe guys are deferring money you can get stuff going and then and then uh and then spread it out so the stuff you're talking about where man if i if i do this wrong and then i'm missing out on this carry well 
the last few years, you have, you're not missing out on carry. Actually, it's going in your favor, right? right? If you can, if you can sell it and guys want to wait. So if guys don't price with you these last few years, you probably come out okay, especially if they've really waited long yeah. to price. Uh, because one, it's either one on storage. So storage is hard to make, you know, make work if they're gonna price it real quick. But if they wait a long time to price it right. and you're able to accrue like 40 cents in storage fees or something, go right. for it. You know, that'll work. DP thing, uh, for the price later, uh, with inverses, you can sell it and start picking up inverses and the value of money and all this stuff that that goes in your favor. But with carry markets, basis tends to follow the spreads, right? So that carry goes against you if you try to short that basis. The carry will go against you. Basis rising, um, not great. Hopefully the value, now there is a value to money. Right, yeah. Can offset some of that. So there will be, it, it won't be as cut and dry easy to just say, I mean, these last few years, it's like, can I make a sale? It's, it's not harvest time basis yeah go ahead and make the sale you know mm -hmm. pretty much whereas once you get in carry markets it's a little more thought that goes yep. into it yeah um and it's not as cut and dry easy to make money off that side so but it is easy to make long the basis money you know yes buy it wait and sell especially yep. if guys will defer money that helps a lot yeah a lot. for sure and you know so that's as of now anyway that's kind of the way stuff seems to be shaping up at least more in line with the carry market overall than what we've seen in since you know for four years now i guess is yeah. four years ago last time we had something like this you know 19 crop so let me ask you this question as continue my interview here um as a as a farmer how should i be interacting with commercials um in in this year or how should i anticipate a change in my uh interactions with with commercials this year No free hats. I don't know. I, I don't understand. I guess what do you mean interaction? Like, I if I'm, I'm marketing my grain, and you know these last few years, I didn't really. If I wanted to wait and DP, oh, heck, okay. they give me free DP. Right, right, right. You know, most don't expect free DP this year. <laughs> at least not at harvest. Now, there's always some goofy ethanol plant in the Midwest that will go free DP in you know February or March or something, and it's you know death knell for the probably basis. later than normal probably yeah. later than it has been the last several years just because of the market structure and you know if there's a big corn crop and a lot moves early and but anyway don't expect free dp early don't expect uh free dp at all <laughs> it's probably going to cost something yeah i would think uh it's not it's not going to be pushed at harvest uh be prepared for Fees in general probably be a little stronger, you think? Fees should be stronger. To compensate for carries? Yes, fees should be stronger. And I would say, too, uh, and I think this year kind of proved it out in a lot of markets, too, waiting on a summer local rally, which some places had, you know, local cash price rally. And I'm talking about the futures, which is a big part of it. But, I mean, local demand really spiking and even A lot of that got covered up early this year. And I think you're going to see um, – maybe nothing gets sold up and covered as early in this season this year as last year, but everybody's going to be trying to sell the same slots again, like we used to for in carry markets. JFM is going to fill up quick. And then, you know, June, July, maybe, or whatever it is, people's going to try to 
basis traders are going to try to maximize what they can get out of the spreads without carrying it all the way through that spread. You know, so I think you'll see more of that happen too. And what we're seeing right now with new crop sales, farmers aren't selling much. Elevators didn't put a whole lot of new crop sales on, whether it's for harvest or deferred. That will change at some point. It'll probably be after the first of the year this year or roundabouts there uh, for stuff they're going to carry, but it ain't going to happen early this year. Yeah. And then for, on the commercial side, I can speak to, you know, some of the guys I've been working with looking at new crop, just basis numbers. Again, this is strictly what a commercial would look at, which has nothing to do with price. Right. Um, but looking at the diverse, so like new crop, I mean, there, there are places in like Arkansas where guys are bidding 40 under that normally in that area would bid even. Even, yeah. So, and, and that's, that's not them just deciding, oh, I should take more this year. It's because they're just backing off their best bid they can do minus the freight yeah. and all that. And that's just where it lands because every everybody else is is uh, is lower. So they're seeing that. But it's also in the deferred, the JFM bids, even those are right. those are way lower than traditional. Now, will it be that when they get there? My guess is probably not, especially J now harvest not if might you, be. Not if nobody's selling it. it harvest might be, but JFM right. probably will be stronger. But so, as soon as they pop, it'll get it'll get covered up. So that's that's the thing, you know. Maybe. But this is the other thing with carries versus these inverted these inverted years. It's everybody wants to sell as soon as they can. So right. it's like, man, I'd like 10 more cents. Well, once it goes up four cents, there's enough people that sell it and it doesn't ever go up 10 cents, you know? So that, that moves. Whereas you got a carrier like, well, I can wait. Right. I can wait right. a little bit, you know? It'll so, be a logistics So commercial, thing. commercial bushels will make it farther in the year yeah. in yes. these carriers, just yeah. as it should, because carries an inverse. That's what, that's what they demand that. And probably do. more on farm bushels too, for that matter. I mean, it's. But for a different reason, you know, yeah. waiting for a better price, uh, cash price. So, yeah. So typically coming off a big inverse year like we are with three in a row, but at the beginning of harvest basis is strong. And then it kind of, you know, as as everybody gets lines and gets filled up, it it drops later in our. But we're already starting. Yeah, low. people's anticipating. So that I mean, from the commercial elevators, that's good. Like all this early, these early bushels that I buy that aren't great basis ownership looks like to me right. this year. I mean, we'll see what happens, but it looks like to me this year they're not going to have to do that. Yeah, and a lot of folks aren't too sad about not having a big forward book of new crop grain on yet because yeah, what they were bidding in Jan and Feb or right. you know was a higher basis than what they're put posting now for, for harvest. And it possibly could be even lower at harvest. So, you know, no one's really upset about paying a high basis and interest on a position for the last six months. So, but it is going to happen. The crop will, will make some amount of bushels that will come to market. The question the basis trader asks themselves is the same questions every year. You know, what is my value of space worth? How am I going to, get that value of space and what is it going to take to keep everything chugging along like it needs to and keep my customers happy. It's a balance every year. Yeah. And and we've said this before on this podcast, but I of course assume no one's listened to any of our podcasts. It's a good before. assumption. So, uh, but the, the costs of a grain elevator are not getting cheaper. Like everything else, everything's more expensive. Interest especially has been going gotten real strong last Usually. year. So I know Jeff Reardon, who's our finance guy, did a bit of an analysis of, of the cost of a grain elevator. And about half of those costs 
are labor, which has gotten more. You know, I realize my son just got a job uh, at lifeguarding. This is a side here, but I'm going to bring it back. You just wait. So <laughs> he, he's getting thirteen dollars now. Which is unbelievable. I'm like, golly, he's killing it. What, you know, how you got this premium gig, you know? So I got to looking up the other day, Missouri's minimum wage for the state is $12 an hour. It blew me away. I'm like, so you should get a better he's job. A, what are you doing? He's selling overs, man. That'd be great. I, guess, I was like, you're barely over minimum wage. What's his first job? So um, it's that it's over at all is a good thing. Yes. So any, but, but my point is, it's kind of mind blowing to think how how much wages have have gone up and and being forced up it. They'll some never go down. <laughs> That's right. You can't you can't say all right. We've deflated a little bit, old buddy. We're going to cut you back. Not on wages. That ain't going to work. So um, that's fifty percent of the elevator's cost is just employee. You know all the stuff that goes in that. You know benefits and all that stuff. So um, PPE. That's fifty percent. Twenty five percent is uh depreciation costs on on stuff which you know that's getting more and more expensive it's more expensive to yes. build places it's more expensive to maintain them and it's definitely more expensive to borrow money to uh to do all that so anyways the costs are going up so expecting to your elevator to continue to only make 20 to 25 cents is probably for the long term it's not going to work out for those guys right that that want to just keep making the same they've always made right uh it's probably so so when talking to a if i'm talking to a commercial elevator folks are listening you need more for talking to elevator or sorry farmers that are listening maybe you're on a co-op board you need to understand that and but even if if you're not just interacting with the elevator it costs money to run these places and they're needed you have to have some place to go with the grain and you don't want to build uh this wildly expensive stuff that costs all this money to borrow, you know, interest money to borrow. It's, it's a uh, quite an expense. That's all I'm saying. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you guys give, give your elevator folks a break. Goodness sake. It's, it is that rhymed. Um, anyway. Just let them make money. Yeah. They're going to have to, to make some, and, and, in the grand scheme of things, probably the amount they're making is less than corn market moves in a day sometimes. You know, well, so. probably what they're making less than what they pay a truck driver to haul the stuff somewhere. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, we solved that in mystery today, Scoobs. All right. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Oh.